This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I'll throw something out there while people are thinking. So what is Yantef? What is Yantef then? So Shabbat, Chazal tell us that Yantef is coming from Shabbos. What does that mean? It means that the Kedusha of Shabbos manifests itself as a connection to Hashem. Right? It's a date. It's a honeymoon. That's what's going on on Shabbos. Every yuntif have has its flavor of the relationship. We're coming up to Shuas now. This is the time of Tyra. This is the time of Kabbalas al Mahashamayim. This is a time of Nasa Vinishma. I'm gonna do something even though it's hard for me. I'm gonna do something even though I don't understand it. This is the, the reality that a person can tap into on any given yuntif. Every yuntif, the Zman of Khairus of unshackling yourself from the things that are holding you down, that's a Zman, the Zman of Simcha, that's Sukkas. Khairus is Pesach. Right? Kapara, right? That's Yom Kippur. Malchus, that's Rosh Hashanah. Every Yantif, right? Even, even the, the Rabbanan Yantifs, the Yom Taivim of, of Purim. What is Purim? Purim is the day where you're mavatal your brain to Hashem. It's one of the highest level Yom Taivim. If you think about everything as being a relationship, Shabbos is, is that consistency. You have it every single week. And then you adapt a little bit within the world of, we have going on. Rabbi Berkowitz, my Rabbi always used to say that Erev Shabbos is called Erev Shabbos because an Erev means a mixture of something, right? An Erev Rav is like a mixture of multitude of people. Um, an Erev, when you mix different neighborhoods together, that's an Erev, right? You're mixing it together. The word Erev means a mixture. What does Erev Shabbos mean? Erev Shabbos is the day where it has sprinklings of this feeling. I'm preparing for the date. I'm shopping for the date. I'm making food for the date. That's pre- preparation. It, it, what goes into Arab Shabbos is, is not a day where you leave work early and then you say, like, okay, now I'll go to the beach. Of course you could. I'm not stopping people from going to the beach. But if you, if you're starting to develop an excitement for the date, if I told you you have a date tonight, it's your 10th date with a guy, right? And he's, he may propose, uh, you know, I don't know, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, you're like, you're excited for that. During that day, you're gearing yourself up. Oh my goodness, like I might be a caller tonight. Like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Like that feeling is the feeling that should go into a person for two seconds on Arab Shabbos. Just the understanding, like tonight is a big moment. That feeling is a feeling that starts to develop before. And you carry those feelings, you bring those feelings forward into Shabbos. There's a good chance that you're going to do Shabbos the right way. Go ahead. If Shabbos is about a relationship, what do you do if there are things that get in the way of the relationship? On Shabbos. Such as? Where you are, who you're with. Preparation, right? If some, if somebody goes on a date, let's use a date, okay? If somebody goes on a date to like a, a, a concert where it's like rock and roll and you're standing in the front and you literally can't hear your date because there's a concert going on and they're booming music into your ear, you're probably not going to have a very successful date. You may come back and say, I like the concert. So I want to go back to the concert, but you're not going to say I liked my date because I didn't hear one word that the person was saying to me, right? A person, a person, Misha Tarach Be'erev Shabbos, Yeichel B'Shabbos, somebody who prepares on Erev Shabbos will eat on Shabbos. It's not just, it's not just the food preparation, which is the metaphor. It's the hachana of Shabbos. It's the preparation of where you're spending Shabbos, who you're spending Shabbos with, what will your Shabbos look like? So, that's the answer. If there are things in a person's Shabbos that are not conducive to Shabbos, then they have to find a different environment to spend Shabbos so that it will be, it will be conducive to it. If somebody has a Shabbos that is just a comatose Shabbos where they're just sitting and just eating sardines out of a can 
and and just looking at the walls and just has a stack of magazines to read you're you're the guy sitting in a factory who's learning gemara in a factory you know what i'm saying it, there's no there's no oomph there's no there's no anything there 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 has to be something there has to be the zahar your 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 shamar your guiding you're guarding something when there's something to guard you have to put something in to guard you know what i'm saying if it's just a matter of shamar, that your whole relationship is that I didn't, Hashem, I didn't do anything. I sat in a chair and I read 8,000 magazines. I know every recipe for potato kogel. Mamish, like I read every single, you know, women's magazine. I could make a thousand kogels. It's very nice. You're, you're, you're an expert in kogel. But that's not Shabbos. You maybe didn't violate Shabbos. But to keep Shabbos, to feel Shabbos, to like have, have that feeling, that's, that's something that takes work. Right, one of the most famous stories of the Chavetz Chaim is that there was a person once who was caught smoking on Shabbos, and they asked him afterwards. He was brought into the Chavetz Chaim. And the Chavetz Chaim said something to him apparently, and nobody knew what he said. But the person came out of that meeting very shaken, and he changed around his life. And they asked him, "What did the Chavetz Chaim tell you?" And he said, "He he just he just took my hands and he was crying. He was like." Shabbos. He just said the word Shabbos like a hundred times. Shabbos. Shabbos. Like, like Shabbos. And say, what? It's not like, oh, misa. what type of Misa you, you know what I'm saying? It's not the key. Like, like, you're on a date. Like, how, like, what happened to your date with Hashem? Like, you just, you just ran off. I don't understand. Hashem was waiting for you. He told you, I'm showing up 748. Light the candles. Start the music. Let's start singing songs and dancing around the table together. And like, you weren't here. Like, what? Like you stood up your date. That's the feeling. Or your date stood you up. He left you at the altar. You know what I'm saying? That's the feeling. It's like, what? That's what Chilol Shabbos is. It's like, what? It's not like what, th- what that is. I think a lot of people have a hard time being present on Shabbos. They have a hard time because the whole week we're so busy running. I don't know about you. Like, I feel like I get up on a treadmill. I always say I'm going to get up. I feel like somebody straps me to a treadmill. I just run like I'm a sugar enough for like 18 hours. And then like I collapse and I get up and I run for another 18 hours. And then Chavez comes and it's like somebody pulled out the plug from the treadmill. And I'm finally like, whoa, like, whoa, breathe for a second. Like my phone is not like ringing off the hook. And like my emails are not flying in. Finally breathe. Like that's what's going on now. Wow. That's such an awesome feeling. Feel that feeling. Chew that feeling. Some people are not used to that feeling. So they're used to the chaos. They're used to that. So, so, so either they go low or they go lower. They go to either like the meat board and the food or whatever, or they go to sleep or they go to a book. Those things are all fine if they fit into the bigger context. Bigger context is like you come out of Shabbos feeling like uplifted, kahibin, your family. You're like, wow, that was smart conversation around the table. Like the people I spent this with, like this was, this was great. This was wonderful. You know what I mean? You're, you're, he, the Gemara's, right? It's, it's really based on Navi. The way you walk on Shabbos should be different than the way you walk during the week. Everything about Shabbos is different. Everything about Shabbos is different. And if you feel that feeling, what is Shabbos called? Right? Just sing those words Friday night. Right? Sing that song a thousand times. Shabbos is How is it? When you're just sitting there stuffing food into your face and like you're like half comatose for like the next 12 hours. That's not me. I'm sorry. That's not what I'm is. I, I wasn't there. Hopefully I'm going to get a portion of that sometime. But like 
I guarantee you that's not what it is. Okay. I don't have like a telescope, but that's not Olam Haba. You're not stuffing yourself and then falling into a coma. Okay. It's, it's a feeling. It's an uplifting feeling. It's a wholesome feeling. That's the feeling that you're trying to strive for. So you could eat, drink non-alcoholic things and, you know, enjoy yourself. But if like the entire feeling that you're feeling is a feeling that's very down, very comatose, then that feeling is not what you're striving for. I think we could all agree that throughout the week, it's so much harder to tap into that feeling. It's, we're just, we're busy. We have so many distractions. So we, we live our days and we try as much as we can to tap in. We have our tefillah and we have our siddharam and we have our families, but there's so much in the way of distraction. Shabbos is like the most beautiful thing where like it's just pulled out. Like the, the plug on all the noise is just pulled out. Greatest opportunity that we could have. And yet sometimes it gets lost. Yeah, just turn on the mic. Um, you know how sometimes like you find some you find yourself in a difficult situation, you say this is from Hashem. Yeah. So what happens when you made a decision to change a part in your life yeah. and it ends up being difficult? Can you still say this is a decision from Hashem? If you're the one Give me an example. Not the example, but a different example. <laughs> Give me an example. Um okay, you decide to send your kid to a certain school and it's completely the wrong school for him. Okay. So is that also from Hashem? That's a question? Meaning, can you say this is where Hashem wanted him to be? Obviously, you could always change the situation. But like, if that's where, if that's where it is right now. I, I believe so. I think that, you know, I was recently involved in, a, I'll give you a small example. I was recently involved in a, a certain project. And then, for whatever reason, <laughs> whatever, the SD card is not, is, is gone. Okay, so there's a lot of hours of whatever it was that it, it's lost. Okay, so the person called me up and was like very apologetic, like, you know, I just want to tell you, like, whatever this was, it's, it's gone. It's no longer existing. And I was like, okay, it's fine. Great. We'll do it. Like, we'll do it again. That was the, that was the practice run. And now we'll do it even better, you know, the second time. And he's like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. I thought like first time is like failure and next time is success. That person in that other school, if you want to look at it from a Nishama perspective, which is really what you're asking, if you want to look at it like with the, the, the answer is yes. That is where Hashem wanted it to be. That's why he planted that idea in your mind. And that's why you made this decision. And that's why you spoke to those people who helped you make that decision. And therefore, you went down the path of, you know, sending that child to that school. Now, that kid may not have been successful in that school, but they may have developed character there. They may have learned a different language because you sent them to whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was a moment that that child went through, which will help them in their ultimate development. You know, people who go through various forms of neglect and abuse. And I don't mean to say anything that's going to make anybody uncomfortable, but like whenever people go through these challenges, I find the most incredible people in the world are people who, who not despite their challenges, but because they went through what they went through, they were able to like tap into kaychas that they had no idea that they had. You know what I mean? Or because I went through that, I'm able to be more empathetic to people who went through this type of thing. Like incredible people are usually not people who live pampered lifestyles. There are people who are able to deal with the adversity of the life that, that was either created for them or that they created through a series of choices. And then to be able to say, but, but that made me stronger, but that gave me more skills, but that opened my eyes to something that I otherwise wouldn't have known. So is that what Hashem wanted? 
Of course, he wants you to reveal your greatness, just like he wants everybody to reveal their greatness. And sometimes the journey that one person takes, even though it seems like a longer journey, that's because he expects more greatness from that person. So therefore, he's like, wait, I'm not done. I'm not teach. I'm not done teaching you all the lessons that life has to teach you. And once it teaches it to you, then what you're going to be able to do with this information is going to be things that nobody else can accomplish. You hear what I'm saying? So, yes, you know, I, I we were recently at, you know, a Shabbaton with Revelia Brittany and somebody asked a question about something and they said, if I make a decision on something and it comes out very similar question to what you're asking. And he said, who put that thought into your brain? He said, Hashem put that thought into your brain. So you made the decision based on your thought. To you, you're not so great. Like Hashem made you think this thought. And then you went down this path and then you came out the other side. You know what I'm saying? When you're, li- when you're living through that Neshama perspective, you, you, you sort of see what your life is. We've spoken about this. We take the elevator upstairs and you look out at the world. You see, yes, that will be my life. That will be my choice. I will make certain mistakes. Life has, you know, but you'll also usually find somebody that will be there for you and that will guide you and that will help you and assist you and help cultivate and develop you for that next stage of your life. You usually find those people there also. Yeah. If you gave the bad advice for those people, then maybe you need to stop consulting. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I, a person, I, I hear the question. Uh, somebody, uh, I'll repeat it for those of you who are listening. If somebody gives bad advice and other people fall because of that advice, then such a person needs to re, a person, such a person needs to really have an honest conversation with their own Rebbe, Rav, mentor, Dastaira to find out if whatever decision was given over, if, if they need to recalibrate what they have going on. Not everybody's an expert in, in everything, right? Some people are, some people are not. So I would say that for a person who went through something, the answer usually is an acceptance. This is the Ratzon Hashem. But for a person who's giving guidance, where the guidance is leading people into a dangerous, slippery slope, that is something that needs to be, you know, revisited. I mentioned this when I spoke at the Aguda Convention, that there was a certain a certain couple that I was involved with that I don't want to go into any details, but basically a shidduch was called off extremely close to the wedding based on a very, 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 very minor, minor thing. Very minor thing. And this person called me up in a panic that literally you're getting married in a few hours and all of a sudden the wedding is off and they couldn't get in touch with the other side. It was a disaster. So I made a few phone calls and it turned out that there was a certain person who made the decision to call it off. So I called the person up. I said, I don't understand. Like, based on the story that I heard, like, Yilamdenu Rabinu, please teach me. Okay. Based on the story that I heard, this was what happened. They said, yeah. So I said, okay, so why couldn't they just do X, Y, and Z? And the problem would have gone away. And they were like, quiet. They're like, I, I didn't think about that. I was like, so you just guided them to just break off Shidduch literally right before, like, what did we do over here? And they were like, oh, it's the Ratz and Hashem. I was like, oh gosh, that's not Ratzon Hashem. You know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously it is, you know, whatever. That's where you, that's where you run into the conflict. That's where you run into like, what's going on over here. That's where you run into like, this person maybe needs to speak to somebody else before they are giving such heavy advice because it's maybe hurting people, right? A person can't go ahead and hurt other people and then say, well, this is the Ratzon Hashem. No, you have to, 
that person has to have the humility to understand that like maybe sometimes you need to ask a second opinion. Maybe sometimes you need to ask somebody else. So yeah, that's why when it comes to ourselves, it's much easier in a way to say, this is the right thing. When it comes to, uh, to when you're affecting other people, that's when a person has to make a chajvan nefesh. Did my actions hurt other people? I have to make a chajvan nefesh. I have to speak to people. How do I rectify this? In everything, whether it's in business mistake, whether it's in a relationship mistake, or whether it's with guidance or people, anything. Person makes a mistake. You have to then stop and say, I have to go ask a question. You know what I mean? Not every person's going to bat a thousand, but if your batting average is very, very low, or if it's a serious infraction, which other people you know, got really hurt from, I think that's something that person has to really, you know, ask themselves. I think I would also just say that if a person's seeking guidance from somebody and you either hear things which don't seem right, or if somebody tells you something and they say like, be careful when you ask this person a question, like they don't know everything. They may know certain things. They may not know everything. Like just, just listen, make sure you go to people that are, you know, that are wise in the area that they're wise in. Not everybody's wise in every single area. It's a bigger schmooze for a bigger time, but not everybody knows everything, right? Certain people know relationships. Certain people know psakalacha. Certain people know both. Certain people know certain types of relationships. Every person has to find a person that speaks to their particular problem that they're dealing with. Not somebody who just like, oh, he's a good guy. Good people are good. But like when it comes to therapists, it's the same thing. Not every therapist can cure every problem. Therapists can't cure every problem. I got a lot of pushback saying the word cure in mental health and therapists. So they're not curing, but not every therapist is an expert in the area that they practice. They may be general or they may have a specific area, but make sure that it's not overlapping in the areas that they're not necessarily aware of. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.